0: I'm recording this episode now, December 8th, 2020. I enjoyed posting my last several posts so much that I missed that November 30th marked the three-year birthday of Leadership in the Environment, my podcast. I wanted to do an episode to think back on some of the big moments, what made me start the podcast, what I've gotten out of it, things like that. Many of you have probably heard the origin story. If not, it began, well, there was always caring about the environment. Going back to the PhD in physics, it was all about the beauty of nature which I see disappearing, and we're sleepwalking into it. But if you went back far enough, you would hear that I didn't see anything that I could bring to sustainability, to bring to the environment. I mean, I thought technology was the way to solve the problems. I thought governments, corporations, it was at that level that you could do things. Things that one person did didn't really matter. And I also thought it was a big chore. I thought it was judgery to act sustainably. I thought Life was about moving forward, and that was moving backward. Then those people who who have seen my TEDx talks know that I challenged myself, as I had done many times before, in terms of changing my diet in some way, before it was not eating meat or not eating hydrogenated oil or corn syrup, and I challenged myself to go for a week without buying any packaged food. Didn't know where it would go, thought it would suck, thought I would lose variety, that it would cost more, that it would take more time, that it would be less convenient, turns out it was the opposite of all those things, cheaper, more delicious, and so forth. took me time to learn to cook from scratch, which I do now all the time. And then that led me to challenge myself to go for a year without flying. More than the material changes was the expectation that if I lived by my environmental values, that it would improve my life. And to question what about my life led me to think the opposite of what actually would happen. Why did I think that flying more would connect me more with community when actually flying less did? Why did I think that cooking food at home would cost more when actually it costs significantly less? Why did I think it would be harder to get foods that I liked when it was actually easier? And as I looked around, I saw that there was no message out there that said if you act on your environmental values, you'll like it, nor that really questioned the values. And when you do a lot of systems thinking and systems work, as I have, you start picking up on it's the values that drive a system, not technology, not elements of a system, But those values, I thought, I want to work on those values, changing the system at a systemic level. I didn't see anyone doing that. At the time, I thought, I want to be the Mandela of the environment. Actually, I didn't want to. I felt like that was the opportunity available. And if anyone was going to do it, I felt weird. If I fail, people are going to say, what were you thinking? You were going to be the Mandela of the environment. And if I succeeded, then I'd be taking on fossil fuels. I'd be taking on the biggest industries in the world. So it seemed like a no-win proposition. I began by giving a series of lectures at NYU on the environment and sustainability to a bunch of my students and clients and friends. They did not go well. They would tell me, why are you lecturing me about this? I already know all this stuff. Stop telling me what to do. And I wanted to give up many, that's one of the many times I wanted to give up. By chance, I was having coffee with a former student, client, and I mentioned how I picked up a piece of litter at least once a day for, at that point, I forget how long, several months or years by that point. He spontaneously decided he was going to pick up litter 30 pieces a day, uh, 10 pieces a day for 30 days. I didn't ask him to. And he did. At the end of the month, I asked how it went. And he said, at the beginning, I felt weird picking up trash. People might see me. At the end, I felt weird passing by without picking it up. And on his own, despite we had never talked about food, he said he looked up what other things he could do. And he, thought, and he came up with eating less meat. So he halved his meat intake. And this led me to question, when I tried to tell people what to do, it didn't work. They pushed back. I didn't think of myself as telling people what to do. I thought I was leading them. But when I didn't try to push, it worked. Struggling to figure out why that happened led to starting the podcast. When I first started it, I did not have a particular strategy. I had half a strategy. It was to walk people through an experience, not to tell people the answers. If you listen to the early ones, some stuff didn't go well at all. With some of the guests, they could tell Seth Godin, for example, or Marshall Goldsmith, they could hear that I was going to say, do you want to try something? Do you want to do something for the environment? And they preempted me and said, so that when I said that, they could say, you know, I'm already doing everything I can or what I'm doing is already a lot. Later, I picked up on actually using the strategy in my book, which is to find out what people care about, bring that out and give them a chance to act on what they care about. So I'm not trying to motivate them. I'm seeing what motivation is already there and then giving them a chance to act on it. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Before that, I practiced recording myself and with friends for six months after I had the idea to start a podcast before I actually launched it. How do I know that November 30th is the day? Because that year, 2017 in October, I told myself, all right, next month I'll start this podcast. And if you look at the timestamp on the launch of the very first episode, it's like 11.59 and 30 seconds p.m. on November 30th, which technically is as much November as any other part of November, but I got it barely under the line. And I was really happy about that. That led to more and more guests, more and more posts and things like that. Let me talk about some of the benefits that have come from doing this podcast. I'm sure I've talked about these before. I'm sure you've picked up on some of them. First, this is a strategy. To work with people what they care about. As I put it on my third TEDx talk, which emerged from doing this podcast, big or small, I find less important than is what they do meaningful. If they do it because they care, based on sharing what they care about. Usually tough to get people to share these things. They have a lot of cocktail party answers about what the environment means to them, but not genuine, well, the genuine authentic ones are deeper. I think I've learned to ask the question a little more effectively and to listen a little bit more effectively, to find out what's what's underneath it for them. What incident with their family or out in nature really resonates with them? Because if you just say, here's this little thing you could do, that's often disconnecting them from what they care about, implying that what they care about is not that important. When actually, you know, my sledding hill is really important to me. That apple tree at the end of the block that got paved over when they were a kid, that's really important to them. Yes, all of Bangladesh may be underwater someday, and that's very important to the world, but to a person acting themselves, well, that's half a world away. There might be something else that counts more. And that's been the direction I'm going in that I don't see people doing, and I found it very fruitful. Next, I've made a lot of friends with people on the podcast, the guests, also the people I know in my life who have contacted me about it. I thought of how to express this friendship. They have inspired me back. So a lot of them have said that I've inspired them into acting and finding out that they could do something and enjoy doing something sustainably, acting on their environmental values. Some things that have come back to me. Every time that I do a push up now, I think about Anna Tobias Tunnicliffe, the Olympic gold medalist, CrossFit Games champion. When I was researching to put her on the podcast, I found some videos of her doing workouts online. And in one of the workouts, she did these push-ups where at the bottom of the push-up, she would take her hands off the ground and then push up again. I don't do push-ups of that style every day, but I do sometimes. And I think of her every time I do them. Plants. I've recently replanted some plants. And talking to several of my podcast guests who have planted plants. Let's see. I planted a tree with my stepfather uh, when I was up at my mom's house in his house during the pandemic. I just recently planted some plants in my windowsill. Uh, my cherry tomatoes have become a story that I've shared a lot. These things have happened because of guests that I've talked to who have taken on plant-based, like planting things, projects for themselves, commitments for themselves. Singing. One of my guests, Vincent Stanley, director from Patagonia, his challenge for himself was once a week, if I remember right, he would turn off his, all his electronics and just work by pencil and paper. Out of that emerged a book of poetry. And he's a published poet. He's a pretty well-established poet. And later when someone inspired me back to do something, I was thinking of what I could do. And I thought I would do poetry. And I didn't really want to do poetry. I thought maybe I'd play music, but I don't have any musical instruments. I was thinking about getting a keyboard, but if I wanted to turn off all my electronics, I couldn't play an electronic keyboard. And then I hit on singing. I don't know if I told people here, I'm going to do an episode on this. I've recorded myself doing this. I'm not ready to post it yet. But for I think one or two weeks, I would turn off all my electronics and I would sing. And I've never done that before the only songs I've sung out loud, aside from being super drunk at karaoke a long time ago, would be Happy Birthday, The Star-Spangled Banner at a Game, those songs. And so then I've been singing, what of the songs? The Beatles Across the Universe, The Beatles' While My Guitar Gently Weeps, Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell, The Cure Pictures View, uh, John Denver, Leaving on a Jet Plane, and I think there's one more, but I, uh, True by Spandau Ballet. And I'm really enjoying these songs. I've never sung before. So stay tuned, and you'll hear the episode I'm going to do before and after, at the beginning of when I was singing, practicing for the first time, and then after. Then plogging. You might remember an early episode with John Lee Dumas. He committed to, once a month, he would go to the beach near his home and pick up all the garbage he could find for a year. And talking about that led me to try something I hadn't thought about but hadn't done, which was to go plogging. Plogging means picking up garbage while you run. It was another example of just deciding to do something instead of planning it out. Cause I'd plan and plan figuring out you know how to get down a New York city street jogging. If you pick up every piece of garbage, you can't, or well, you pick up, you set up rules. So I set up these rules, cigarette butts and smaller. They're too small. I'm not going to do that. Things that are wet or in a puddle. I'm not going to pick up that. If it's too far out of my path, it has to be in my path. I'll pick it up. Uh, things that are absorbent. I don't pick up. So that set things up and I could run. And that Plogging led me to be on TV twice, once on Fox, once on the show The Doctor and Diva. And I think about John Lee Dumas every time I do that. Buying clothes. Lorna Davis, for the podcast, she committed to not buying any clothes for a year. And in fact, a few weeks into that it was not only not buying new clothes, but it was getting rid of old clothes. So I've been getting rid of clothes more and more. I've not gone a year without buying clothes, but I think about her every time. And there've definitely been times when I've been about to buy clothes and I thought, you know, I don't really need this. I don't buy it. The next day, I can't possibly remember what I was not buying. You think, oh, I'm going to miss it, but you don't, or at least I didn't. A while ago, I think I recorded about how I unplugged my fridge. I committed to that for that 100-mile bike ride day that I wrote about on my blog, I think. I think I might have spoken about it here. And I only made it 36 hours out of I think I was going to unplug it for three days this was following last year. I unplugged it for three months leading into the pandemic, and then I kept it unplugged for three months when I was away. So six months last year, my fridge was unplugged. Now I unplugged it. It's been, I think, about a month that it's been unplugged. And that's because I'm training these other podcast hosts. And in the process of training them, they get me to commit. And so that's the current one. Actually, I have to mention, I just tasted the chutney that I made out of the oranges and jalapenos that were in the freezer that I had to take out and figure out what to do with because... They were going to go bad this chutney is delicious it's fermenting if you listen to some of my recent episodes actually a couple that i've recorded that haven't gone up yet my work with the deming people people who follow in the footsteps of edwards deming in particular the deming institute so kevin cahill kelly allen a couple more coming up you can almost hear i think you can hear the collaboration that's forming in that community and me to bring deming's work to sustainability there's more to come there. Also with my work with the Spartan community, with Joe DeSena, being invited to there, meeting the people up there and talking to them about starting garbage pickups as a Spartan activity. We'll see where that goes. It's it's in the works. There's meditation. Julian Guterly. this was about six months ago. I've meditated since 2007, was the first time I did it formally, you know, trying, but I wasn't doing it regularly. And then something about my conversation with him led me to start doing that and then Maybe you saw my post about how I now I can get into a full lotus position, which was a kind of challenge. You know, that's not meditation, but it's a little side effect, a little measure of what happened. Also, if you listen to some recent episodes and one to come up soon, conversations with evangelicals that normally I would not have expected, one, that they'd be interested in speaking on a podcast on sustainability and the environment, or two, that I would be interested in talking to them about something that normally is not a big concern in my life and is actually becoming a major interest of mine. I see a community that would love and will love to act on sustainability, but they just don't want to be bludgeoned by people saying, oh, you're bad and you're wrong and you don't like science, and you don't get it or things like that. So that's a big area of growth. Along with the military, service and duty and honor have really taken on a new meaning in large part for conversations that came from this podcast. These are just a few examples. I could go on, I, basically every single guest has inspired me in some way. And so, and by the way, all these things add up to very low, to no extra costs, often saving money, saving time, It's not taking from anything. It's purely adding to my life. At the very top level, one of the big shifts that has come to me, especially now that I'm training others to start their versions of this podcast, is when they ask me back to do new commitments. I have to do, if I've trained five or six people now, and each of them, they do the process with me once before recording, and then another time with recording. So that's 10 or 12 times that I've had to come up with new projects for me to do, and I love it. This illustrates the change, because a lot of people on the podcast are like, Josh, I'm already doing so much, I can't think of anything else to do. And I've, I've, I'm long past that. I prefer to challenge myself to come up with something that I'm not doing. And I put this in the following way. I don't have to steward, I get to steward. It is an honor, it is a privilege, it is a joy to act on my sustainability values, to act on my environmental values. And it could only come from doing the podcast with many people and hearing the joy that they like, that they share the second time on the podcast. Usually they say something like, it was easier than I expected. Sometimes they say it was hard, but the kind of hard I was looking for. That's what I hear. The other big thing is these offshoots, these five or six and growing number of other podcasts that people are doing to bring this technique of walking people through to share their environmental values, come up with a commitment to act on them, and then to share what it was like afterward, and to work with leaders of different communities. I'm bringing that to others so that they were going to reach communities that I never would. So there's one in Italy, there's one in Sweden, there's one in in uh, the UK, there's one in about to start in Kyoto, Japan. Looks like one's going to start in Brooklyn soon too, and maybe one in Myanmar. It's super exciting for me to see communities that I would never reach myself otherwise. Am I going to reach 7.8 billion people? I don't think so. Can I lead others to lead their communities? Yeah. And someday someone's going to start leadership in the environment. Well, that we're changing to this sustainable life, so someone will start. This Sustainable Life, Hollywood. And they're going to get the biggest stars in Hollywood. Or they'll start This Sustainable Life, hip-hop. And they'll get the biggest stars in hip-hop or leadership in the environment. Or sorry, This Sustainable Life, sports or tennis or basketball. And they'll get the biggest stars, Serena and LeBron and people like that. Or maybe This Sustainable Life, music or pop. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, if you're thinking about making a difference And you want to connect with the leaders in your community to talk to me and I'll train you into how to do this podcast because to hear them, we just had our second This Sustainable Life podcast host summit where we're all meeting with each other and sharing the challenges and the rewards and the joys and what comes of it. And so please contact me if you want to be a part of that group and you want to be a leader of a community that you really like. Everyone, like me, starts off nervous and scared and I don't know if I can do this, but I've walked enough people through that the process works pretty well. And now I'm very experienced at this. It's uh, it's kind of neat. After three years and 419, 420 episodes, I think I'm getting pretty good at it. Got a long way to go. Also, the, what's emerged from it? Three TEDx talks. I was also just asked to host a, or co-host a TEDx event for Countdown uh, about a month ago. I got a new book that I'm working on on sustainability leadership. I've been iterating through the outline starting to write and realizing I had to touch up the outline. And I think this last iteration, I like how it's going. And I'm starting to be able to write consistently. So I'll, I'll have the book proposal ready soon. And I'll start going out to, the way that I did the first couple of books, which worked pretty well, is to work with an agent, then to go to a lot of different publishers and work on, I think this is going to be a big book. I'm going to put everything I have into promoting it, making sure it gets out there, because I believe people want leadership in the area of the environment they want role models they want to hear success stories they don't need to be told more facts and figures and doom and gloom they have that I think that's turning a lot of people off I think hearing parables stories of people who have succeeded the emotions of after you make the shift and a system's perspective stay tuned on that speaking of sustainability leadership there's an image that has come to mind recently that this is my this is how I view leadership in the area of sustainability in the area of the environment and tell me how this sounds if it rings true to you Imagine you walk into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And I've never done AA. I don't know much about it. So that's incidental to this. But, so I hope I'm not getting it too far off. But imagine you walk in, and in the front, there's someone who said, I've researched all about what alcohol does to the liver. I'm an expert in this. Here's what all of you should do. And proceeds to continue to lecture them on the science of alcohol in the liver and telling them what to do. While they're doing this, they have in their hand a bottle of gin, And they're periodically taking a swig of gin and telling people, what I do doesn't matter. One one person's actions don't matter. You should still do this. In fact, government should do this stuff. But don't pay attention to me. What I do doesn't matter. It's not important. And they keep just drinking and drinking and lecturing and lecturing. And they think the others are going to say, oh, well, because this person's an expert, it doesn't really matter what they're doing. I'll follow them. But they don't. Or actually, they do follow them, but not in the way that they expect. They follow them in the sense that they also read and become an expert on the science. They also tell people what to do, and they also keep drinking. And that seems to me what passes for sustainability leadership today. I say this not to bring anyone down or to criticize. I'm sure it sounded that way. That was not my intent. My intent was to get to this, that what nobody tells you and what has come to me through this podcast and through all the challenges and the inspiration back to me from my guests, just through conversations, just by talking about sustainability, it leads me to act. And what I've discovered, you can hear it, it started with the no packaging and the not flying, which are not, I say those as negatives, but they're really positives. It's what I've replaced them with, the fresh fruits and vegetables, being a part of my community, connecting with my local politicians and local community that comes from staying here. And not just local politicians, but national politicians and famous people and influential people from all around the world who contact me and say, I'd like to be on your podcast. I'd like to get this message out. So it's not just local, it's also global. This comes from acting personally. The riding my bike 100 miles for the first time since the 80s. Here's what people don't share, because people haven't experienced it, is that it's a joy. It brings connection and community. If I didn't do it, I wouldn't know this. I wouldn't believe it if someone told me, but I've done it, and so I know it. And that's one of the main things I want to share, is that as much as you think that, I don't know, not flying, not having disposable coffee cups not buying whatever you want whenever you want, and you know, not getting disposable clothes and things like that. It might feel, if you're in a system that values that, you might feel like you're giving something up. And I'm here to tell you, my personal experience has been that switching over to a new system where you don't value all that spending and growth and instead you get community and connection. No one talks about that, and that's been my experience. Even when it's picking up garbage, other people's garbage, and talking to the drug dealers in Washington Square Park about the garbage that people are leaving there, it reminds me of uh, this journal article I wrote on leadership a little while ago. I talked about how it was on the pandemic and this could be our finest hour. And a friend of mine wrote back and said, Josh, people are dying. It's not our finest hour. And it made me think about this phrase, our finest hour. Our finest hour does not apply when you wake up in the morning. and It's a bright, beautiful day. And you go look at the sunrise and the birds are chirping and you feel great. No one describes that as our finest hour. I learned about it from the movie Apollo 13, where... These astronauts, there was an explosion off in space, and NASA wasn't sure if they could get them back on Earth safely. One of the characters says, This might be NASA the greatest disaster in NASA's history. And a guy overhears that and turns around and says, With all due respect, sir, I believe this will be our finest hour. Finest hour comes when it's dark, just before the dawn. Our finest hour describes when you pull victory from the jaws of defeat. I believe that's what I'm doing here is helping turn the ship around through values through experience and behavior. People feel dejected. People feel hopeless. Any person with the phrase, who utters the phrase, what I do doesn't matter. This is a seriously deep and profound statement. What I do doesn't matter. People say that all the time. What one person does doesn't matter. This is tragic to hear people saying that. This is what I'm working on. What you do does matter. I'm not just saying that. It really does matter. It makes a difference. I'm certainly finding that out. Speaking of movies with the number 13 in the title, there's also this movie, 13 Days, about the Cuban Missile Crisis. There's a scene inside the White House, so you see John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy. The two Kennedy brothers are talking in, I think, the Oval Office, just the two of them. And I think it was John Kennedy says to Bobby Kennedy, he was thinking about who's going to take care of this stuff, and then he realized, it's just us. It's just us. There's no superheroes to do this. It's just us. You, me, this community, to some extent, it's just us. We're going to turn this around. That's all we need. They actually did save the world, and we actually can save the world. And the crazy thing, it comes from eating fresh fruits and vegetables, spending more time with our family, getting more control over our careers. It's just us, and when you get down to it, it's about joy, community, connection, service, Duty, glory, honor. I love it. Here's to another three years. Here's to another 30 years.